Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It is born in the fury of the most violent storms on Earth. It has traveled thousands of miles, building in strength and size. And here, in a remote corner of the planet, some men will not run from its fury. They will ride it. You're not ready for it. I'm ready. So when the wave breaks here, don't be there, or you're gonna get drilled. He's a modern savage. If I say it's safe to surf this beach, Captain, it's safe to surf this beach! What's he searching for? The ride. The ultimate ride. What's up? The only thing surfers have in common with the rest of America is they're unemployed and love crystal meth. recording yes we're recording so this is a uh, surf center we're coming to you with episode number nine in the kaczynski shack up here in topanga california i'm chad white along with damian farinfort from free radicals and today we're going to talk about everybody's favorite subject social media oh my least favorite subject i swear if i could never look at an iphone or instagram and that again i'd be thrilled but unfortunately it is the necessary evil in the climate that we're living in and if you're going to do it you might as well do it properly. And there's kind of two, I think today we want to focus on two different aspects of social media. You've got the brand and then you've got the athlete, right? Yeah. And you'll see everybody has their own brand of social media and what they represent. And that's kind of what we want to dive into and what's working and what's not. Surprise, surprise, we're going to kick cooks, we're going to Kick Quicksilver in the teeth again. Yeah, I bet you can't say kick Quicksilver <laughs> yeah. in the teeth 10 times fast. Yeah. Seriously. I certainly can't. Uh, only because we got a report sent to us from our buddy uh, Lincoln Ether over at Empire Ad, who we're going to talk to later. I would consider him a bit of a social media expert, and he spent serious time diving into the data side of it and the engagement and the analytics, which is what we're all fascinated by. Um, there's obviously algorithms. There's all these different things at play, but we, we just need to get into it. And hopefully on the other side of this, you have some kind of takeaway on like if you're a young athlete listening or you're a brand, then you can go, okay. Let me try to rethink or rejig my social media. We'll talk a bit about it from my stab experience, which is the media side. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, it's yeah. Well, get I, into it. I think that it, you know, so that there's a good way to do this to sort of set up. I think actually the the advent of social was one of the sort of first, I guess, first of the four horsemen of the apocalypse for um, you know for these surf brands because what happened is. Before, there was like, all you really had was, you had some magazines and some VHS videos. And so your your content was super scarce. And the brands had had a, a lot of time to really curate these stories and do all, and, you know, I don't know, create a myth around their brands, right? So it wasn't like there was this, you know, every five seconds kind of, you know, content stream that you needed to create. It was like a, a much high, more curated and kind of lean more into the into the sort of cadence of what surfing really well, is. You could control the narrative a lot more around your brand. That's right. Because it was like, you know, what what is Instagram now was an ad in surfing magazine back in the day. Yeah, exactly. And and being a firm, yeah, and you showed me that that whole, you know, run of all the rip curl, um, those yeah, hip rip you, curl spots on social. Yeah, insane. if you go on to um, LinkedIn and Empire Ave's Instagram, you'll see that he did, he kind of did a curation of old rip curl ads on there through the years and it is just something yeah. like it is just so it's inspiring and gets you so stoked and really 
pulls you back to what that brand was. That's and right. What it once represented. Yeah, and and you sort of go and so when you start to see things like that, you realize what you know what has been lost from a from a purely from a brand perspective because brands don't have that luxury anymore to to curate their brand so carefully. You know, it made me hopeful. It'd be like I thought there's hope for surf. You know, yeah. if like real cool could get back to this. Yeah, they could actually inspire generations and. I think there's something with nostalgia that really pulls people back in and will tie them back to the brand. And like we always talk about, like regardless of us shitting on, you know, a lot of the surf brands, they've built up so much good equity with within our minds, our yeah. subconsciouses, right? We've all been to an amazing Quicksilver event or experienced this moment in time where they had Danny Wade jumping over the Great Wall of China or Kelly or Tony Hawk. Like there's all these amazing moments. Yeah. We talk about it with Red Bull a lot. Yeah. You know, the brand love and the can love, but that's mm -hmm. so well that is and, and and really like if you think about it, Red Bull's like the, the Red Bull is even though they're not in our list and we're not really gonna talk too much about Red Bull, that example of brand love, right? Which is like which is delivered through all of their branded integrated branded content and their social media, which is kind of what everybody's brand is delivered through now, um, is is really what what sets them apart. But the problem is is it hasn't translated and necessarily translated into into canned sales. The idea here is is that that it be just because you're completely crushing it on social and you know your brand super well and all of that doesn't necessarily translate into sales. So we'll get into that piece of it. But I think that what our focus is probably is really going to be more on, you know, how how can brands win on social? What is that? I mean, is is winning on social translate? Is it is it all about driving sales or is it about building your brand? What is it meant to do? So I think it's one or the other, right? I kind it's of like do, yeah. It has a purpose, right? Either or it's just a visual, like this is what our brand is and who we represent, yeah. you know, or what we represent. Or it's like, here's products to go buy that are inspiring products, right? Yeah. So like, I would say two different examples of that is Supreme and the North, uh, sorry, Supreme and um, Patag Patagonia or Nike, Nike actually. Right. Nike is like, it's all aspirational. Everything you will not see on Nike's Instagram one piece of a product. Yes, there'll be product in the shots, but used in its natural environment. Right. But then on Supreme side, you've got them. It's purely just a product. They've turned skaters into models, and it's just like this is the collab. It's very informative. Doesn't have a link out to buy. They never right. once like post say buy here because mostly because this shit sells out so mm -hmm. quick. But it's all just that's literally you'll see every blog follows Supreme's channel. Hypebeast, Complex, any one of them, as they drop their new North Face gear they just did, you know, for Thursday's drop, it's picked up by there, it's screenshotted and put on every single blog. So it's a source of information for people that's that's clearly tied to the product. Well, and if you think about it this way, like a, a, if you're a Supreme fan, like if you're somebody that on Thursday is waiting for that drop, it's that you, you want to see the product. Like you're begging to see the product. You fucking love it when you see the t new t-shirt, the new whatever, whatever that collection is. Whereas a surf brand, when they show you product, when they deliver, you know, it's kind of like, well, oh, well, you know, you're, you're shoving something in my face that I really don't necessarily care about. Like, so we've spoken about this last time, right? Like surf brands, they're not surf brands anymore. They're just clothing brands that happen to sponsor a few surf brands. Right. That is, the, that is the business they're in and who mm -hmm. they're selling to, right? Yeah. They need the non-surfer to buy their product. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking the Rip Curls and the big boys, right? Volcoms, Quicksilvers, Billabongs to sustain. They need the non-endemic to buy their product. So if you're not making the best quality product or have a true point of difference, there really is no reason for anybody to buy your product. Yeah. I mean, Supreme Supreme has it. And again, I'm not, I'm not a Supreme... Uh, fan necessarily in terms of like 
I wouldn't buy buy or wear anything Supreme. So neither would I. Know, yeah. know that listening to this podcast, we're not saying like that we are personally the biggest Supreme fans in the world. But I'm kind of comparing them because what one of the questions we asked ourselves when we we're looking at all these all these Instagram posts from from the surf brands is, you know, there's a there's a whole bunch of product um, shots in there here. Like there's and 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 the one example would be like the Billabong, you know, with the Lorax, so the the new Dr. Seuss thing now. I am a big Dr. Seuss fan. I think Dr. Seuss is incredible. Um, love the illustration, love the style, love all of everything about it. I don't necessarily know what Billabong and and you know Dr. Seuss have to do with each other. Um, so when I see a, a, an ad or like a or like a little Instagram post with that featured, I'm not thinking of it in the same way that I would think about a Supreme and and like North Face drop, right? Because that means something to me if I'm a Supreme fan, where if I'm a Billabong fan, am I like that stoked that I'm getting served up of like a Lorax Dr. Seuss spot? Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a Billabong fan. Like I like the, everybody on that team I'm stoked on. I don't understand how that fits the brand and I don't understand how those decisions are made and I don't understand how that serves their social media. Yeah. And so I completely agree. Like it just doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's a, it's a bunch of nothing, and it's another marketing gimmick, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And now, so let's let's flip it on its head, okay? Like we're gonna we'll talk about Vans, and they they do the they're kind of like a blend of like Nike and a Supreme, right? They post their they post their products as well as I don't even really see links to, out to go buy it, but they kind of bring attention to a product, and then they've also got like the creative side of the athletes just shining through their Vans, you're talking yeah, about Vans, yeah, Vans, right? Yeah. So like Vans' approach to Lorax would have been, and this is what I think, they would have said, instead of just sending like Jack, uh, Jackson, everyone in the Billabong team, right, said, everyone, hey, go and post this. Like, yeah. post this and make noise about a Lorax campaign because that's become like the thing. Like, everyone right. do this post on a Tuesday morning at nine o'clock and like that's generally the surf industry you see, right? There's yeah, much creativity right. there. They would have challenged their guts. Well, first of all, they would have gone, okay, who in our, who in our team riders right, does this, appeal to yeah so maybe there's a shane and jackson because he's got a kid and the dr zeus is a great story and that kind of totally thing. So, yeah and then they would have challenged their guys or facilitated them to go and put their creative spin on it mm-hmm. so now that post from the team writers channeling back to Bulawong is actually true and authentic yeah it's not just like here post this and here's some waves of you surfing with the lorax and because yeah, that's right. that we're bitching yeah well i mean like it's dr seuss like dr seuss is yeah. cool i don't but again like i think even 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 higher up on that tree for me is is is, you know, with the North Face and Supreme, I get that collab. I, I when whether if it's Supreme and, and Louis Vuitton, I get that collab. I get I I understand why those brands work together. So, As you said before, this is something you brought up earlier. You know, you're you're when you're Supreme and you're doing that kind of collaboration, you're opening yourself up to a brand new audience, right? I mean, you'd speak better to that than I did, but totally. And if you look at if you go look at Lincoln's the from Empire Ev's uh, Ripcore ads, yeah. the little curation in the stories. There's like the old Ripcore ads have a Quicksilver logo on it, some of them too, because it's like, oh, and we're doing this event in partnership with Quicksilver. There was no like, there was a lot of cross pollination, and it yeah. was like championing an industry. Yeah, and that's what like true collabs are. Yeah, like Bulamong will never go do a sick collab with a little wetsuit brand or something like that, because they'll always go do it with like it's always a licensing deal. Yeah, or like an artist, and you know the. Iggy Pop is it's a licensing deal. They're doing it with the estates, and they get access to time with them. And I actually 
really like that. But the Iggy Pop one I get because now you're opening your your and Metallica works because now you're you you're you're exposing your brand to a totally brand new audience for sure who might actually you know that might result in dollars. So and the Lorax thing is cool. I'm not poo pooing the Dr. Seuss thing, but I'm like it it in the way it's executed, as you said, it feels gimmicky. And but even on the the on the Iggy Pop campaign. The execution fell over a little bit. Okay, there was yeah. just an amazing. So the Creed thing was cool. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. Like that. But I remember seeing this clip of, and it never went live, but it was like Creed playing the guitar. Yeah. And Iggy's there, and Iggy's just like looking, you know, he's got his leather jacket on, and he's on the couch, and he's just looking like Iggy Pop, and he's got a guitar in his hands, and he he, he's, he looks over at Creed, and he's like, and he, he does like a joint to his mouth, like, and he said to him, You smoke when you play? Yeah. And Creed, like, kind of like, smiles and like giggles and he's like yeah and he's like and then Iggy's like it makes it way better doesn't it <laughs> and it was just the most fucking raddest thing yeah. marijuana in California is legal now like yeah. it's you know it's legal totally fine like, yeah. but like too afraid to post it yeah yeah. so like if you're gonna go take a crazy old rock and roll yeah. star and yeah. then marry like with a creed who's yeah. you know the perfect you know you someone know. at the top made that decision yes yeah, so, some, 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 some sissy like, I mean, seriously, now that's a pussy move right there. Yeah, and let it be it what it's meant to be, right? Yeah. Like, you're yep. championing it, you know, it's, it's just, that's what surfers on, that's what they represent it. Yeah. But anyway, so, going back to your point about constantly growing the audience and what Supreme did, like, yeah. they, so I got some time with, I got some advice once, and it's, and the person said it was from this, like, crazy PR person, and they said, never do, actually, Garrett, from Garrett Light, he's a, an eyewear brand that just, just killed it, and from Venice Beach, and he grew this really amazing brand really quickly but he the advice was never use never play in the same audience once he was like basically saying for when we had general admission if you're having a party at the store always use a dj with a new audience yeah always do a collab with somebody stop existing within your channels and that's surf like we've been playing within our own ecosystem for too long it's time it's time to get out of it you know i've kind of got this vision of like the surf industry on the beach and this is as surfers, we're just constantly looking at the horizon, right? Like yeah. our focus is always out to sea. That's right. And we've forgotten about what's going on behind us. Yeah. And that was the whole world happening. And then in the internet, the internet and social media just open those kids up that are still looking at the beach. Yeah. And um, looking out of the ocean to the world behind them. Well, and all of a sudden, Supreme became a comp- competition to Billabong. Well, you know. Quicksilver. Yeah. And you know how we're always jumping around on this podcast, right? So... My, my, my first thing was going to be, hey, magazines and VHS. My second thing was going to be, and that was the dark ages. And the second thing was going to be the age of enlightenment. And that's exactly what it, what it is, right? Surfers finally, for the, for the first time, had a, had a really clear view about what was behind them. They were looking at, as you said, like so eloquently, they, they, they're looking out at the horizon all the time. And now they're actually looking at, you know, something that they'd never really seen before that had all this energy and it was like the new rock and roll. And, and, the, surf in, and the surf industry is still looking at the horizon. Yeah, yes, exactly. And they still, they still, <laughs> yeah, they're still looking out there and they're still focused on on what's in, in front of them, not what's behind them. And I don't mean behind them in the past, but I mean like everything else happening in the world. Yeah. And there's insanely, insanely, you always talk about this, talented people within these brands. Oh yeah. Designers, creatives, yeah. all this stuff. But when we talk shit on these brands, like when we do smack talk, like, like to be honest with you, it's mostly it's the people at the top. Typically, because the people at the top the are the ones setting a lot of this. There's, 
there are some, I mean, like if you walk into any of the creative departments in any of those places and a lot of the marketing departments, like I remember meeting with some people over at Billabong and just being like, holy shit, like these well, are some always, really smart people. I always talk about my, my buddy, Nat Johnson from Quicksilver. He's yeah. the creative director over there. I mean, that's he right. came up with the idea for Stab in the Dark. He had so many amazing ideas. Yeah, like, that's creative. You know, yeah, Hayden and that Daniel Arsham guy did that clear board recently. That was Nat's idea that he had for like Steph back in the day. This is like, I'm talking six, seven, eight years ago. Yeah. Like he's insanely creative, but he's just, so strangled by the people above him he's actually not able they've stopped setting up people to succeed within their positions yeah Being able to take risks and make mistakes and all that kind of thing but anyway we're getting off topic this yeah is yeah on so, social media yeah so, the, so that's right that well it is on social media but it's, it's a, a trickle down but it is it's like social media is just a is just a, a brand expression that's you know it, that's all it is it's it's basically marketing right so, so if you think about the the idea of of all of a sudden kids having this access to these other brands and these other, again, you had mentioned earlier when we were talking about this sort of in our setup was, you know, there was a point where it was, it was all about rock and roll, punk rock, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like that there was seventies was rock and then it was punk and it was all it, the hip hop thing came in and it had been around, but for a long time. But I think with the advent of social, it, it really took off more and became more and more relevant to kids. Right. And so then they stopped looking at that sort of, they stopped looking in terms of like brand. They stopped looking at that, at, at the, the rock and roll ish kind of model. And they started looking at hip hop and then, and then what were the hip hop guys wearing? What were those dudes into? What were the, the then they started being more interested in sneakers and more interested in, and again, the, those were the Supremes came in and went, even if it wasn't Supreme, it might've been a band that was a brand that was tangentially connected to a Supreme. And that was the new kind of thing. Now I'm not saying surf should have chased that. But what, what we are saying in no uncertain terms is that on social, your brand needs to come through. Your brand, you need to be really clear about what your you brand Nike, is. Nike, Patagonia, like, and this is what I don't understand. Like, use these guys. Like, okay, if you're a surf brand, right, you obviously don't have the budgets that yeah. Nike does and they have competition. But Nike, they have the biggest agency. Who's the agency on record? White and Kennedy? White and Kennedy, yeah. White and Kennedy. They have the biggest agency in the world with the most talented people. Creative directors making a million dollars a year. Yeah. Like, they're all working towards creating this Instagram and this meet like yes. their, their image. Yeah. Why would you not go and copy that? Exactly. And not copy, but what's the saying that Picasso did? Steal like an artist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Like go great, and, good artists create, great artists steal. There you go. And why would you not take that variation and apply it to your brand? Well, with your true message. Or at least the artist. architecture of it. Like, okay, so Nike, if you have a body, you're an athlete. And then the tagline is just do it. It's like it's really clear. Everything ladders back up to that. Mountain and, on the way for Quicksilver. That's yeah. their thing, right? So yeah. So why everything, every picture should have a mountain or a wave in the background or be some kind of tie or to some what variation. they represent or somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Or, or if it's an ideal, like that's a physical thing, but what if it's, what is Quicksilver's ideal? Like totally. what is their, what is that thing that you can point to that? And again, this is the corniest thing I'll ever, next time it's anybody that you ever meet me, you can slap me in the face for saying, what is their North Star? Like, what is the thing that they always look at that says that that is the, that is the guiding light? Like, if you think about, like, Vans. I mean, I like, so go back to Quicksilver. I used to love, like, imagine it was, if you can't rock and roll, don't fucking come. Yeah. That was their thing, right? And the copy, the imagery, yeah. everything laddered up to that. Yeah. Everything. Because yeah. one thing we do need to talk about, too, is copy and tone. Yeah. That is such a big part of social media and writing. Yeah, that's right. And I learned this through Stab. And mm -hmm. people always be like, oh, you're good at captions. Not on my own personal Instagram, but when I write for Kira or GA and that kind of thing. And I just learned that I wasn't ever good at it. Right. I, I just 
never thought that I was creative at all or could. I just learned from Sam and, and Tom. Right. And this is the tone and this is it. And once you learn that, it's actually quite easy to operate within that framework. Yeah, I mean, but the framework has to be there. Totally. And, and I think that maybe the framework is there, but like, and I don't think like, you know, another really great um, CMO that I worked with would say, when, when, whenever I would present something to him, I, I, he'd say, hey man, like your strategy's showing, you know? And that's a bad thing, right? Like you don't want people to, to, you don't want it to be so clear that, hey, this is our cool brand. Like you don't want it to be so stiff and stifling that it, that it's, that it, it, it actually defeats the purpose. But you want there to be some type of a collective mission that we're all on. Like, I think that Vans does the best job at this in terms of in the surf industry because the, because they, again, like, and you'll speak better to this because of Mikey, but like what they've done is they've been able to curate this team who all have such a good ability to, to operate on their own and create their own brand, right? So Mikey's got his brand, you know, the, the uh, way good all that new film they did is, is all, I mean, that whole intro is all him, 2000 freaking paintings, drawings, whatever, to make an animation. And then by the way, shredding through the whole thing. Like that's not an accident that Vance has these guys. Like this is a really purposeful thing. And so people that are trying to recapture this, it's like, no, Vance just said, Okay, we're going to support what you're doing, your creativity, your vision of what you do. Weird waves for Dylan, you know. Anyway, it like to totally. me that's the it's easy surf formula. It vans and for vans, it's just basically about about driving that authenticity. And yeah, and don't think that each and that's what I told this to Mikey in the beginning, like right when he was kind of doing the changeover from Quicksilver to Vans, right? I was like, I want you to go into this. Do not think that this is just like they're just sponsoring you because like you're a cool dude and they like you and you're friends. Like there is a strategic decision behind everybody in this brand and they all represent something that the brand aligns with, right? Like yeah. everything. It's not because this bro likes this guy at this surf shop he sponsored, right? Yeah. It's thought out. It's thoughtful. The team compliments one another. They can all, you can put, pair any two team riders together on a trip and yep. it would feel natural. Exactly. And, and again, so, so for, Van, for Vans, that's the brand. Right, but for Vans, the brand is is the is is giving these athletes the a truly authentic voice, like not not a hey, we're gonna take your idea and water it down through the whole corporate structure, and then by the time it it you know reaches, no, they might do that. Like we just yeah. I just don't see it behind the scenes. But for me as the consumer, I'm looking at this and going that feels right. Like this, like Pentecostal or Pentecostal is you know i mean a lot of people love that thing i love the bits and pieces of it i thought artistically it was really great um there was some really neat moments in it but then also the way the way that they curated that across social was just so great yeah right? and they and they they originally had a huge rollout like uh, yeah theater film premiere rollout for it and they within a couple of weeks we may were able to Flip it on its head and yep. make it because it was just time. You know, I think they realized it's going to be six, eight months before yeah. we're hanging out together again. You know, Waze worked hard on this, let's put it out, and they were able to create an incredible social rollout with their team. So yeah. they got Tanner just killing it. Like Tanner did great. Tanner did his research. Like again, I watched that thing and it was like Tanner had done his research on the film, has done his research on Shane, did the research on what the film meant, all of the different like, you know, the what do they call it? Uh, the underlying kind of theme to it and which which we had this sort of naturalist kind of vibe it was you know that that even just that you know and it was tanner being tanner it was just cool but it worked so well and these guys stick to them and that is vans like authentic is such like a yeah. marketing word of 2016 yeah, but, but it's like that that is vans um 
since day one. That right. is their tagline, authentic, right? That is, they're yeah. looking at their shoe. Is the van's authentic, right? Like well, the, the hardest, but it, authenticity is one of those trick words, right? Because, you know, I guess hypothetically, if you're a surf brand and you do surf shit and you post surf stuff, that's supposedly, uh, hypothetically speaking, that's authenticity. Totally. Right? But it isn't. Like, because authenticity is deeper than that. Authenticity is, comes from a place of, uh, it comes from some type of a very specific personal place. Like, it comes from a personal vibe or a personal... Well, you pick it up through Dane. Yeah. Dane Reynolds. Like, yeah. his, you know, he hates social media, but, like, it is a clear representation of who he is. That's right. His Instagram. And yeah. Mikey's. Mikey's yeah. is, and Ando's. And all these guys that are everyone's favorite, it's... They haven't thought it out because authenticity comes extremely natural to them. Right. And, and they're probably they're, they're purists in their own sense, right? All of those guys. So it is natural to them. But it shines through. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the trick. So, so you know, and then I think the other one we were talking about, we talked about a few. We looked at a, a few different brands. And Supreme was one because that was something... I wanted to just use that one as like the and yeah, and as like, the Trojan horse for the rest of the, the world. Anomaly, right? like they, they, they are, are yeah. For what they've done, but what they were able to do, like, there's not one other skate brand that is a fraction of their size. No, exactly. And they're streetwear, but they started skates and whatever. You know, there's sure. not one like you know, Palace does well, and it's got a good little following, but not the kind of sheer volume that the Supremes doing, right? Yeah, and well, that's also not an accident. True, exactly. They have been true to themselves since day one. That's right. And like, I don't buy the whole thing of like lining people up, lining up outside stores, and you anyone can put up a. You know, I think the Birkenstock dude, the, the CEO of Birkenstock, toasted Supreme when they try to do a uh, collab with him. He's like, anyone can put a, a, a rope, rope up, yeah, velvet rope up outside and create a line. Yeah, now, that doesn't mean anything. Like, yeah, so no, like I don't know, but. That's been who they are since day one. That's right, and and I mean, you walk into. I remember walking into a Supreme store in New York when I, you know, talking, you know, fifteen years ago, and they're dicks. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, it was like walking in there was, and that's the whole point. That was their their thing again. And, but they know their brand, and like, and that's where I think that, and again, like this is where we're always so hard on the surf industry because these brands have been around for a long time. They're legacy brands. You know, you're talking about Billabong's been around since 73. That's a long, long, that's longer than you've been around, you know? So, um, and quick, longer than that. I mean, these guys have been been at it for a while. So there's been all these different iterations, all these different leaders, all these different owners, you know, they've been, they've made it through BK a, lot, a bunch of times. I mean, this is a, it, they're, they're sort of trying to just, you know. Yeah, they sort of are incredible. Yeah, like, exactly. They're, they're amazing brands, yeah. right? And I think that, and, and, and again, like, just so people don't think we're just terrible, like, they are, they do have talented, great people working within those brands. Somehow, and, and again, if, if, if the criticism of these brands is that you don't, that the reason the social, I think, is, it's interesting. So if you have a million, a million followers, these guys are getting, you know, they're, they're getting basically 5,000 views on things, you know, they're, so... It's not like the, the engagement is through the floor. Yeah, this, you know, you've got nothing to lose. You've exactly. Like you're really getting the, the bottom of the bottom of the barrel of your engagement. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and if I can't discern, I just got to think that if, if you... So if you look at Patagonia, and another one that we use in, in addition to Supreme was Patagonia. So Patagonia, um, you did a, a great interview with Yvonne Chouinard for a different project. Um, and one of the things he said was, and I don't, I'm, I'm paraphrasing his, his um, new... Um, uh, vision statement or mission statement, but essentially it, it works out to be make the world a better place. Okay. 
Every single thing on their social ladders back up to that. Every single thing that they do ladders back up, even if it is a product post, right? Do you want to buy a wetsuit? They'll show you like a, ba a barrel of oil. They'll show you a big old like, you know, a, like a front end loader um, digging a ditch in a, in a, in a, a limestone quarry. Or they'll show you like a, a, a tree with a little tiny tap in it that's, you know, pulling rubber out of the tree. And they're going to give you the choice of which one of those wetsuits you want to buy. Now, I think that Patagonia has a very specific position, but that's kind of what we're saying that all these other brands need to have that's on it. their social. Their point of view, what is your position? Yeah, and what it's is it? for the surf brands to create their position, and now they've got a chance with this COVID-19 and a yeah. bit of a reset to go come out because sales are going to be way down. Like, here's yeah. your chance to actually stand out and have a point of difference. Um, I heard the story yesterday of talking to a buddy. He was, they were on a snow trip and with, with, their, with their team. Anyway, they happened to be hanging out with this Patagonia team rider. And this is off topic, but I love the story. But it ties up to, it ladders up to what the brand is and represents. Mm -hmm. And they were on this snow trip and there was a Patagonia team rider that they were just happened to be hanging out with and he was at the resort or wherever they were back country. And he had got this letter and it said, and I'm going to butcher the story, but it said something along the lines of like, hey, let's say his name was Chad. Um, thank you for being a part of the Patagonia journey for the last six to eight years. You know, we really appreciate everything. We've had a great run together. Da, 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 da. You know, Here's a list of product that we've given you. And it listed every item that he's ever had from them. Right. And it said, with this in mind, like, and again, I'm paraphrasing, with this in mind, you never need another piece of clothing for the rest of your life. Like, yeah, there's enough clothing here to last a lifetime. So we will not be giving you any more clothing. If you need something, if you are shooting and there's a style that we don't make anymore, we'll replace it out. Please pass it on and gift it to somebody. But essentially, like, and they and then they were like, we don't care if you share this. Like you can share it and show people. We we aim to inspire people to stop buying product. My buddy was like, I wanted to buy a piece of product on the spot. Unreal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like because everything everything they do ladders up to what they believe. That's and right. Their Instagram is just a representation of that. It becomes once you know and you have your point of view, it becomes really easy. Everything else. Yeah. You just go back to hey, does this ladder up to our belief? Yeah, and, and I mean, what we represent. It, it, and here's the thing. It's it's funny. It it. What most people think is that, and when you and I've written so many of these things, and even, even and in fact, Damien, we've even had this conversation when we've written strategy for brands like, you know, does this put do guardrails are good because guardrails help you, you know, stay in your lane and stay defined, right? But but they're not, and but they can be perceived as barriers to to, to creativity. So you need constraints. That's right. Constraint that you have to have constraints. Constraints actually. Uh, push creatively forward hundred percent because you figure out how to work around that yeah. like COVID-19 has been an amazing constraint right like yeah for brands to actually figure their a way around it and develop and and reiterate vans <laughs> yeah before COVID-19 happens every single brand started posting the same stuff I was getting up training videos what yeah. are you doing yeah, like, yeah it yeah. was the same thing and it just got tiring and tiring and tiring I couldn't watch another one like if, if everyone doesn't have a 12 pack after this COVID-19 saying, no, there's something wrong with you. Because I totally don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Vans went and did the box challenge. Yeah. So like, oh, so yeah, good. Tied, yeah, the shoebox challenge. So yeah. tied to a Vans shoebox. Yeah. There was this amazing, you know, I don't even know if there was an incentive, but they put a lot of time into like creating the video for it. Somebody had to go and make all these different ones to show inspiration. And then 
They said, hey guys, if you want to support it, cool. Like Mikey did a bitchin' one with uh, Soul Train. Not as good as your sister's. No, my sister, yeah, my sister was just bored at home, so she was inspired to do it, not for any reason. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, the Soul Train one was insane, right? Like, yeah, I mean, but there yeah. were so many cool ones. And, and the- you can't have done a bad job with it, right? I mean, just the fact that you tried to do it and had fun trying it and, and did something interesting. And by the way, like, how. I, to me, I saw that and I just was like, it is such a, per- as a brand guy, you're just like, no way. Like, that is the smartest. And and by the way, like, you probably have a Van shoebox in your closet. Like, almost everybody does. You likely have bought a pair of Van shoes and you probably already no, have that. Not one surf brand or not that I've seen has gone and said, hey guys, here's how to make a mask out of one of your old t-shirts. That's right. Or something, right? Like, here's some value or something for you to do. No, or like, could have done that. Uh, yeah. Could have. Just like, oh, check out Connor Connor. Train, Connor Coffin training in his board shorts. Yeah, that's and like, right. And, yeah. like, uh, and like they happen to be recycled. Like every yeah. board short brand is. Yeah. If your yeah. board short's not recycled anymore, like get over that conversation. Yeah. You're Von in two, I think it was like 1998, I was listening to Business Wars with Patagonia versus North Face. I think it was like 1998 maybe. He was like, all right, we're never making another t-shirt that's not organic cotton. Yeah. Like, And the guys were like, what, we're in production? And he's just like, stop. Unless, because they had found out some shocking information about one of the plants they were using in the cotton or whatever right and that's it he's like we don't need to talk about it that's just the new way right and it doesn't you don't need to tell everyone you're making recycled board shorts anymore just do it yeah and just the hey but hey if you're if you're on the brink of you're looking at the tag and you're on the brink of buying this board short just know that it is recycled yeah and here's the key here's the the great the crazy thing so volcom i think it was volcom i I mean again i maybe no it was billabong so Billabong and Quicksilver both have done this thing where they've personified, they've done a cartoon personifying a bottle being thrown away, recycled, and turned I back saw into it the parties. other day, right? I saw, I'm yeah. like, okay, they've all. I mean, it's exactly the same thing, dude. And the different and, style of art. Yes, not even like yeah. it's pretty damn close to the same style of art. And both of you guys are talking about recycled board shorts. Well, I know it's the same brand. I, I mean, I know it's the same house. Okay, Billabong Quick, same house. But I mean. That the recycled bottle thing is is just not. I mean, it's been you've been doing it for ten years or yeah, however long. It's, it's over. Like stop years. with it. Keep doing it. Awesome. Love it. Love the fact that you guys are using some type of recycling in your product. That's great, and that's a good story to tell. And you can tell that on social. That's cool. That's a and, that's a fine place to talk Patagonia about. you would probably call bullshit on it because it Patagonia would have. They would, would just like go, yeah, but it takes this four, much energy to melt a bottle. When you melt the bottle, it does a thing. All the same recycle. Yeah. Yeah. No. He. Like Yvonne had a bunch of those, like, you know, a bunch of those facts. And of course there's a brand guy too. And he's probably like, you know, promoting his own brand and making, knowing that. Totally. Like he was very. Yeah. But, but look, at the end of the day, I think, you know, we're, we're talking about social, but what we're really talking about is, is the brands that win always know who they are. And, and this is what the issue is on, on, on all of the different social channels are, is, is who are you and why do you exist and why am I looking at you? Like I, and I how, just realized I don't. Fa- the weird you, thing was is when we did this, we were doing research for this project. I, you know, like I'm a, I just sit on my phone all the time. Like I'm a, I, I like I'm way addicted to Instagram, and I'm a surfer. I didn't follow Quick. I didn't follow Volcom. I didn't follow. I mean, I just wasn't following these guys because I just wasn't like they weren't. Obviously, I eventually into though because you right. got to treat it like this is what our whole business is built on or what we try. You know stand our business up on is like add value to the consumer right each person that follows you it is a privilege for you to be able to like put something in front of their eyeballs that's right Right? that is their time and that is their energy so like make it worth their while yeah like how would you do that like i heard a crazy statistic about adidas's instagram 
once and I probably get the number wrong, but each post, like if they worked it out against their marketing budget was in like the tens of thousands, right? Like the, of, value. Done, of value and like what they right. thought and yeah. that money that went into the campaign to get that shot to do that, right? So now you've got a really thought out, really interesting creative that inspires like... Yeah, but Damien, it's Adidas and, we, and they have so much money. But uh, Yeah, exactly. But That's what everybody's going to say. So I love this though. Right, um, me too. I think they represent exactly who they are. Like Paul Monday is his brand. Yeah. But he, people don't know about him. That Like I've got that ASIM that he literally yeah. hand-shaped, yeah. glassed, sanded, sprayed everything himself. Like he will... Somebody breaks a board down at um, Salt Creek in the morning, a longboard. He'll give him 150, 200 bucks, take that thing home, strip it, reshape it, and be surfing a little 411 two days later. Yeah, that's right. He's just a great, he's got the biggest or the best collection of surfboards in the world that he's even spoken about. He's got creators and innovators. That's his thing, right? So, So and it goes straight back up there. Their videos are thought out, they're fun, they're interesting. Every time I see something from them, I'm like, oh, that's cool. They, you know, everyone's doing plastic bottles. They did the coconut board shorts with a bitching campaign that inspired me. Eddie Olbrand, I think, does their videos. Like, he he can't be cheap at this stage. No. There's a lot of thought and energy going into the little video, but I really appreciate it. And, And, you know, the way the algorithm works now, it's when you show interest in brands, it keeps them kind of at the top of your feet. Other ones get low. Like you'll yeah. see now that you haven't seen somebody that you've been following for like five years and you'll go look at their post and be like, oh, they've been posting a shit ton. Yeah. But it's because you haven't been liking and been showing. So like those likes really count for something now because that's how you show up. Right. And you're seen. Right. Um, so you have to work around that. So you really do like just posting for the sake of posting actually doesn't benefit you. No. It's, an, it's not a volume game. Yeah. It's it's quality quality versus quantity. It's I mean and, and you still have to you have to have the quality. Sorry, you have to have the quantity too. Yeah. You we gotta s- have both. And we've spoken about WSLs endlessly, right? Like their Instagram yeah. and that just through talking about them in general. Theirs is like, you know, as Dan described it, pandering bullshit. Yeah. Like it doesn't it just doesn't represent anything. It's a bunch of everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. And they in you know, we talked about Tim, he was tasked with growing that and that's what he did. Right. And he did now, it, you know, like a this like shape. Now he needs to reshape, or they need to reshape what the brand is and represents. I was looking at their Facebook follow. I was looking at their followers. I think they have like seven million followers on Instagram, which I thought was I thought it was more than that, or something like that. Maybe it's three million. Um, but they've got they've got like I think they've got sort of like a twenty or thirty million um followers total on their across their social channels. So they had he's done a really good job. Maybe more than that. That they've he's done an amazing job building that audience now the question is who is that audience what you know like in other words like what you said was so if i'm billabong i want i want true hardcore billabong fans i want to build those fans i want to i want to be i want to be delivering for billabong fans the raddest billabong shit ever and like right now and and by the way like something that's that 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 makes it billabong because right now okay this is our this is always our, our challenge to every brand so you've got you've got every athlete. So let's just say you've got Griffin and Seth, right? So and I actually both... think interrupt you, so interrupt yeah. you. But I actually think Billabong's team really represents them. Yeah, they're, they're insane. Team. But Seth, the uh, social doesn't do a good job no, at delivering that. I actually tried it. I did it, and I was like, okay, if I put Quicksilver's logo above the social. That's Volcom. Exactly what I meant. Volcom's is a bit more of a point of difference. Volcom's definitely has more of a graphic they, thing. They yeah. lost their tone. It's weird. They have a they have a visual look and feel thing that's but working, the tone. but they don't have the they don't. Again, I know that their thing isn't youth against establishments. It's it's true to this, which is to me like true to this. I'm behind that. I'm all about it. That's fucking great. 
where's the but where's the meat there's you know what i mean it's it's graphics it's this it's that but doesn't feel like there's a lot there you know from a from a purely from like a a, there it feels very surface level is i guess what i'm saying but i did i did put vulcan above everybody else in terms of yeah i i at least yes exactly vulcan goes in but in front of quick and billabong and rip curl in terms of it being it has some kind of point of difference. Like I get it that it's a, I can see that it's a Volcom post, but what, what I did, what I have learned through the years is basically the, but it's funny because the more graphic and the more of a brand looking post it is, the less it performs. doesn't matter. So, so there is that balance. So like, like you were saying, can I take a, a, a you know, a Quicksilver emoticon and put it up where the Billabong emoticon is and, and, and squint? Yeah, you can. And, and, it, and pretty much they look the same. It was kind of what my point was about Seth and, and Griff, which is like, dude, I love seeing both those guys surf back door and pipe and stuff, and 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 it's it's great to see those 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 clips. But you know, what is it that you can do with those athletes, and what what can they do that's that that actually is a, is different than what you're seeing everybody else do? Because everybody else is also surfing back door and pipe. Also, everybody else is also using that exact camera angle. Everybody else is also, you know, I mean, it's it's. Like everybody rips, totally. right? So everybody, that, everybody rips, camera. everybody's shooting on the same equipment. Everybody shreds. Like it, all of your team riders, everybody on every team is just so fucking good, right? So it's really hard to go, you know, what's the point of difference for Billabong or Quick or Volcom or, you know. And, and it's At the end of the day, these are product brands. Sharon Kroc, who raised all of us, she owned Billabong in South Africa and she built it to one of the most recognizable brands and sold it for a fortune. I think she was the richest woman in South Africa at one stage. She would always say, it's product first, my team rider second. Because without like the product, there's no team riders. And the brands have not figured out how to talk about product and give people a reason to buy their products beyond just throwing it on a pair, on a, a bunch of surfers. Yeah. And like, and, and then putting a clip of them ripping in it. Right. Like, Jordy Smith or Griffin or Dane. Dane would surf good in a pair of chino chinos. He would tear. So yeah. Putting a pair of board on him that you say is like performance board doesn't mean anything. No. Like let's find out why. Yeah. Why is this the best pair? Why should I should I buy Quicksilver board over Viore? If I'm the guy that's not surfing, Viore is yeah. uh, athletic. It's kind of like a men's version of Lululemon that's booming, and they just streamlined into the surf space or just. Not the surf space, but that kind of like ocean lifestyle way space, mm-hmm. just purely by going, hey, we've got a pair of board shorts that are insane for training. This is this. You can also just surf in there. And they don't have people high high paid athletes on salary, so they're able to market it better. That's right. And they can and 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 when you see a product, if you see something like that from them, it makes more sense. Like it, now, here's the thing: if Billabong, Quick, Volcom, Rip Curl, Vans, even. Um, if the, if the product had enough of a point of difference, now I know there are differences between them. We had this argument yesterday that, that, you know, there are, there are differences, right? There are, but I call it, but they're marginal, right? They're small differences. They're not like they will. Yes. If you are walking around the Mexican point break 50 times and you're not going to get a, you know, then you'll notice the leg rash, blah, blah, blah. But how, how do you as a brand create a point of difference through your social media, which is like pretty much everything, all of your media now? So I think if you're the brand, 
you need to, there's three things you need to ask yourself like for social media like what do we want to re- represent do we want to drive sales mm-hmm. do we want to showcase who we are you know like what is it like there's got to be a specific strategy for it right it's not all things in other words like your social is not there to to build your brand um so uh, sell and cool, like yeah you like it's yeah. What is it? Like right. you've got to choose a lane to stay in. Exactly. And then do it. And own it. Yeah. And own what like and that's I think the challenge for and it really I think it does come down to the three like so if you're for for me, your rip curl, you're the search. That's wow. what you do. That's your that's like you because that's what's most interesting on social. Like So how does everything you do, every post you do ladder up to the search? That's right. Every single Just thing. Start. By the way, that you're welcome for that. The, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you already had it. You've had the search for years. But it's the most interesting thing that Rip Curl's ever done, and it's the most Rip Curl, Rip Curl thing. Yeah. Like I know that everybody like thinks of Rip Curl's world titles and Mick Fanning and all that other stuff, but but you know from my ex- long experience with the Rip Curl brand, it, it's it is the search is probably the deepest thing that that and and the thing that I think is the most aspirational. Yeah, and the best in surf. Right. Most people are excited. Most people I know, and from from age twelve to 50 are excited to go travel for surf they're excited to go like what's around the corner that's the most that's the coolest freaking well the, then, thing. It, the surfing the very core of it is the search right? that's right it's like trying yeah. to find the best waves yeah. you know like that's it traveling with your friends scoring that's going in oxnard and trying to find the right sandbar is still the search right story to tell yeah so then so mason ho represents that yes they've got a few of these guys yeah gabriel medina doesn't not at all like he's the best surfer in the world. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah. And he, but he doesn't represent the search. And and what about Connor? So, no, Connor doesn't. He could, he could be if you phrase him up. No, but like you think about like Frankie Oberholz of Byron, yeah. Curran, like these guys, like all the way girls. back to Wayne Lynch, dude. Wayne yeah. Lynch, like in his own little dinghy, like going to find little crazy little misto spots by himself, like, you know, on his, in his little rubber duck. Even like Nathan Hedge, who was yeah. on tour, like there's a story of him paddling from the motor to, I spoke about this with a friend the other day, um, to the tower. Like the I was that night. friend, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's you. Yeah. Fuck it, I'm on the Yeah. <laughs> the days are turning into years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's, so, yeah. It, it represents that it represented that clear thing from the beginning of the brand. It was built. That Quicksilver had a point of view. Yeah. Everybody, all these. But guys they don't like. That way. But when so so we know what we know what Rip Curl stands for. If we yeah. just said it, Volcom again. I know that your thing is true to this, but it's youth against establishment because it's it was always it anti-authority. A bunch of, like dirt bags, they were all partying in Newport. Like, yeah, but it was all like Xerox freaking. Yeah. You know, it was all like it's all like cut punk rock poster kind of shit. And it was the antithesis at the time when it came out. It could not have been more opposite from Quicksilver and all the other brands there. That's what it was for. That's what it was meant to do. It was meant to be a disruption to all those other brands. So it was way more punk rock. It was way more like raw and it was it was awesome. Yeah, right? it was more culturally relevant at the time. That's right. And, it, and it could still kind of be really. Like I feel like Volcom, Volcom, even though, you know, could be in the worst hot water of all the brands out there still to me feels like it has it it has a voice but the problem is is like we were saying earlier it's a very surface level voice what could you do what could that social media piece be for them how could they how could volcom on their social channels really like live that um i guess what you would call 
you know, that whatever, whatever the brand truth is. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. What is your brand truth? Yeah. Like I was in Hawaii this year and I think you were, you were there with us and we stopped by the Quicksilver house to have some beers and meet up with a friend and the social media chick was there and she, she's a lovely girl and probably has a lot more followers than all of us, but right. like she was like some chick that didn't care about surfing and like didn't grow around and like didn't know and it was like doing like just the quintessential like post that you see these influencers do and it yeah. was such a far cry from and the guy that they fired as a he was just like been around the brand for a million years he just was like that guy and okay he had a lot of unfortunately it was a lot of framework and a lot of opinions about what he could and couldn't do mm-hmm. but he grew that thing amazingly and then he was just replaced by like oh here's some like young person that like knows social media yeah that's right <laughs> and, and that's what happens because social is one of those things that's a little tricky and it's and even for, I mean, I'm guilty of this 100%. Like I would always, like I, I told you this earlier, that when I'm writing a, a brand strategy or like a, or, a, or a marketing plan, you know, I'm always more interested in, in what we've been talking about the whole time. Like what's, okay, what does the brand represent and how do we, how does everything ladder back up to that, that ideal, right? And I'm never that interested in specifically getting down and dirty into the weeds of social Be, for that exact reason, because it's like, it's such a fast changing thing. It's, it requires such a high level of detail and attention where, you know, it, it hasn't been my foot, my particular focus, but I, but I do know that now, you know, it just like every other media channel, you know, that is, or beyond any other media channel, it's the most important thing. And it's how your brand shows up to people now. So you can't just hire somebody that, you know, and I'm using finger quotes, knows social media because they live it, we, eat it, we breathe it. We saw that at House Beer, right? Oh, House Beer had this amazing design focus, like Instagram, curation of photos, like aesthetic that Keegan had developed because he's, he's an amazing artist. Because he's Keegan, yeah. yeah. And it grew it quickly and that then like, you know, things happen and they hired some social agency and like all of a sudden it's like chiseled dudes with their shirt off holding a House Beer. Oh my God. You're yeah. like, so like it's yeah. completely... At, at Coachella. Yeah. Like, like, like yeah. Just, Everything the brand was in Los Angeles born, yeah. surf skate, you know, now Keegan's back trying to fix that dilemma. But yeah, it's just, there's no, so being a social media expert doesn't actually mean anything. No. Like being a social media expert is taking pictures of your ass. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah. And that's going to get. Is like, that it? Like, that's all I got to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not your ass. <laughs> but, but like, okay, you know, you look at napkins. We talk about the posts that link to buy. Like I guarantee you, when Courtney Dan's wife yeah. goes and, or Dane or one of them goes and does, hey, you know, there's new product on the online store. When she does it, it sells. She sells up more pieces and quicker than any one of the other brands. Oh yeah, well because it's scarce though. That's the other thing, you know. There, there's that's a different one because I think there's a, and it's like Dane, you know. But you buy into her entire so. Her entire Instagram is all the family and everything like that. And then she drops some product and you go and buy it because you buy into everything else you're selling the entire way. Yeah, that's she's right. She's taking you on a journey. Yeah. Supreme is taking, and she does it naturally. She's not like, it's not thought out. She's just doing it. No, she's, she's just doing it. She's an awesome person. Yeah. And unfortunately, very few people Are that have awesome. that naturally. Like, I yeah. don't have that. It's, yeah. You have like, that. Shut up. You definitely have well, that. Well, then why do I have 7,000 followers? Well, because yeah. you're, well, <laughs> Because you, because uh, you, you don't want anymore. Yeah. No, but it's yeah. They they do that effortlessly. But if yeah. you're not, and if you're a brand, you need to be thought out. Like, what is your why? Right. You know, and that it's like Simon Sinek does that famous video TED Talk, right? Yeah. He talks about the why, like taking people along that journey, and then mm-hmm. going, oh, we happen to make the world's best board shorts. Right. You know, we sponsor, and here's why: because these surfers represent it. They're able to do this. They this this this. It's the brand story, and then. 
hey, would you like to buy three portraits from us? Yeah, and I think like you said earlier, you know, you 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 have. Um, it is a pleasure. It's it's you know it's like this when we find out when somebody makes a comment, good or bad. It's it's we're always just so happy someone's listening, right? It's just such a cool thing. It's such a, a privilege to have totally. anybody listening to us for especially for this extended period of time. Um, that that we really think about what we're saying. You know, we do sound like we're bomb throwing, but we but everything we say is really considered. And and so um, and whether we're right or whether we're wrong, it's it, you know it's our opinion. So. But the, the thing that we're, you know, one of the things that we feel like is, um, is, is missing from the equation is, is exactly that. It's like, I think just throwing out posts to throw out a post, like, That's you, what it is now. yeah, I mean, it's just like, the there's post. just a, here's someone, it is just a surf shot is rad, but like, there's a lot of surf shots, you know? And then, and then, you know, the, the other thing is if you follow any, so if you're Bill, if you're follow Griffin Colapinto, I already know what Griffin's doing. I don't need to follow Billabong. Like, so, and if I follow, you know, again, Seth, any of the Billabong at the Creed, I do follow Creed. I follow, in fact, I follow all those guys. And so I already know what they're up to. What's Billabong up to? Well, that's the other challenge, right? Right. Is these guys are brands within themselves. You spoke about it earlier. Yeah. MR, you know, short, you were talking before we started this podcast, Chad was talking about like, Sean Thompson had Sean Thompson surfboards on his yeah. on his board. MR had the big MR logo. Like yeah. these guys were their own brands. And surfers since the beginning of time have been their own brands and you've subscribed to the character and what they represent and then oh they happen to be a part of this brand which makes credibility for the brand. Which is why Vans is the only brand that is is thriving because they have those guys, right? That and girls, you have a team. Van's team is basically the modern day version of Mark Richard, Sean Thompson, Dane Kiloha. And it's an effortless you know, fit. That, but of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's an effortless fit. And that's, and again, like that is why when you, and, and again, not that, and, and Billabong's team is freaking yeah, insane. Like we talk about it all the time, right? But it's, I, I think the opportunity for Billabong is who are we? What, why, why Billabong and not quick, right? And that's a real challenge when you're in the same house. Um, so, and, and, and Quicksilver too. So the two of them, those two brands need to figure, like if I were to write, and, and, and I guess from the mountain to the wave and everything in between, it's convenient, but it's not necessarily, because it's, it's, it's basically, here's the logo and it's a convenient thing to say. And it's like, yes, okay, it that's, it tactically says we go snowboarding, we go skateboarding, we go surfing. I get it, okay. But it doesn't, there's no sort of, um, it doesn't ladder up to a higher sort of uh, uh, emotional purpose, right? There's no, I don't, I don't understand what that really means. So what is it that you represent? What is it that your brand does? And then take that and, and, and disseminate that across all your different social channels, because if that's course, the only way to make this really work. Any, Anything you, you do. Anywhere yeah. you tell a story, the, yeah. how the product's spoken about, yeah. how it's Instagram captioned, how everything, every, how it's photographed, everything needs to start. And maybe that's the beginning. Like, you know, that's the takeaway for yeah. this, for the social media one is like, and not until you get your core and what you stand for, what you represent, right? Yeah. Can you actually be good at social media or be able to truly engage your audience? And, and then also like filter down your audience and who they actually are. That's right. Cause everyone just costs social media just costs a super wide net, but then it's too wide. It's a detriment. Yeah, I mean, it's it's how to be wide enough to be interesting and, and feel free flowing and like and I think that's where the Volcom thing is. It's a little funny because Volcom, where yes, you can from a branding perspective, you can tell it's Volcom, but it kind of it 
because it's so heavily branded, it almost puts them a, and it almost makes it feel a little bit, um, a little bit like a little tight, like yeah. in a funny way, it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel expressive as much as it could. Right. Which is a totally ironic thing because it's like, it is all about ex expression and it's all about a brand visual identity system. And it's all, and I, and I would be backing that to the ends of the earth, but for some reason with them, there's just some kind of missing ingredient. I can't really figure out what it is, but I think there's something there that they're not, that true to this means what, right? So youth against establishment meant something, but true to this just yeah, means I don't know that what this is, yeah, well, this could be any, the, the thing I do like about that, that tagline is this can be whatever you want it to be, right? The, the, this is, this like is your self-expression. Like the whole rage, like all of a sudden COVID happens and like, what is your COVID hashtag? Yeah. Like, if you're yeah. thinking that yeah. way, yeah. there's something wrong. Yeah. You're definitely you know not I mean? Volcom anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stay home for this. Stay home for like, this. Yeah, yeah, like, I get, like, awareness and things. But as we're learning, like, awareness doesn't mean anything anymore. Like, yeah. action. Yeah. Action is doing something. Like, yes. Actually going out, like... And I, I hate to always, like, jerking vans off. But right. But they do an amazing job at it, right? And their thing was, like, straight away, they were like, how do we help the surf stores or the core stores that have helped build our brands. That's right. But like their whole relief was aimed at that. So they actually taken action. Yeah. Like stay home for the day thing. one. Yeah. Yeah. Or did you have, did you have a Volcom one? Did they do one? What do you mean? You did the, um, we did, oh, you did the stay home for this with the, Oh yeah. I'll stay home for the Well, the one, the one interesting thing about the Volcom one was that, that the, um, the skateboarder uh, Bo Rich, who's got cystic fibrosis, did a PSA, a stay, a, a stay in for this PSA, which I thought was really actually to, to contradict what I just said was really awesome um, because you know he's got a lung disease and essentially he's like, dude, if I if I get this, I'm dead, you know. And the interesting thing to me about that one was that all the other Vulcan posts are like five thousand, twelve thousand, ten. There's a couple that are twenty five thousand. This one was two hundred and fifty thousand. Right, yeah. this thing was like 10x the engagement than it, all the others are. Same thing with Lucas Madrid, who's who was tested positive for COVID as well, 120k. So the, these messages that are like that are, yeah, but they're truth. personalized. Yeah, they're true. personalized and raw. They're like, fuck, I'm terrified. This is gnarly. Please, and he's doing his breathing treatment while he's doing a kickflip. So it was the raddest post. So it's true to this. That is that right there. Like, what are these? Things? And by the way, truths. proof is in the pudding. 250,000 yeah. freaking, I mean, like, we don't know that there wasn't a spin behind that, but no, I, I don't. Well, I mean, not no, that, not that was evident to me through there. Yeah. But regardless, it would have had that. And yeah. that is like what it represents. And here's like one of our guys going through something. Yeah. For the and it's like the team, the, it's like where the yeah. family kind of comes together. So there are ways that they can do it. So I think it's just a matter of like, look, you know, for, for, for Volcom, it's, it's, it's kind of, deepen that story like beyond the graphics for billabong who are you it you know and i'm not interested you. i'm not i'm not it you know you're not going to get me with product with lorax product posts i'm not going to i and again love 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 dr seuss it's an american tradition like it's a you know it's classic but what does that have to do with billabong i'm a pretty smart guy i can't figure that one out i it just it's like it's cute and everything but like anyway that that is not the same thing as Supreme and North Face. It's like that's Supreme and North Face is like super powerful, rad thing that that opens both of those brands up to new audiences where this is like just a, a gimmick. 
And then Quicksilver, basically same kind of thing. Like, what is ownable? What do you own? What is Quicks? What can Quicksilver do that no other brand can do? And don't make it about one team ride or another one, right? What can Quicksilver do that no one else can do? Rip Curl owns the search. You guys already have that, so we know that. But what is what can Quick do? What what do they have? They had Kelly, they had Dane, they had Craig. I mean, they still got they've got Travis Rice. They've, they've got, got Mikey. They got Mikey right? right. He's awesome. Like he yeah. represents it. Like those two are two. Like Travis two Rice two. is rad. Yeah. Koa Rothman and Travis Rice. Yep. Koa's rad. Good. Yeah. Um, but like everyone, you know, again, this is back to the sponsorship one. They Without, should, they no, should be the reckoning there. They should like gut that whole team. Yeah. Right. It's the renaissance of the reckoning. For and for I think for them it's the it's the reckoning. But except for Noah Collins. Yeah. Keep Noah. We keep Noah. Noah. <laughs> <laughs> Noah Collins is your future. Yeah. Um, I don't. We've already. We we we. That's a. No, it's not paying us, I promise. Um, he is making me a jacket, though. Custom hands. Is he? Jacket. Where's yeah. mine? I guess uh, I just got not cool enough to wear one of those. It's fine. Um, not enough fabric. Yeah. <laughs> now everybody's going to just have this picture of me like some big, giant, fat guy. Jabba the hut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so what else was there? I think there was like... Uh, what else did we have on this podcast? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we covered most of it. I think... The, the interesting thing is, is that Lincoln had some incredible information on, and I think what some of his, and again, he'll, we can let him explain it a little bit better and then we can kind of, um, come back uh, and, and, and close it out on the end. Uh, but it looked to me like the way I was seeing it is, is that, that the, that the followers are, you know, for, for all the, for Quicksilver was like, you know, they, they've been year over year, like just mega killing it with adding followers like just it's been they've been doing a great job with that then but their engagement is through the floor so in the last three to five years their followers have doubled right but the engagement is more than halved like almost quartered yeah so they've gone from a million to 2.2 and it's just gone significantly down and look the algorithms have had a severe impact on that of course the big bait and switch where build your audience and then actually going to charge you to access Mm -hmm. them but there's also a reason that things are you know, one in five posts should be getting significantly more numbers. Yeah. You know. Well, and I think wasn't the other thing that, and I, and maybe I'm just making this up in my head because I want it to be true, um, but wasn't the other thing in there that when brand when Quicksilver specifically would would um, post a shoppable, you know, product post, that it would that that would that would kind of drag down the performance of... Oh, totally, yeah. That's the algorithm, right? Because yeah. Because you're trying to send people out of there and then you do that enough and it severely stunts your algorithm because yeah. they're trying to keep people within the app. See. And they've got some like shopping platforms now and commissions left, but it's... You really don't want to be sending anyone else there. Like, for me, for me, Nike and Patagonia have nailed it. It's a visual representation of who they are. Yeah. It's inspiring. Like, every... There's never product. It's always about somebody that's achieved something and how you can do it yourself. Patagonia's is everyone is making the world a better place or a beautiful story one of their ambassadors have told. That's what it should be. Yeah, that's right. It should be like, hey, this is who we are. Like, do you want to buy in? Do you buy into what we're doing and the story we're promoting? Yes. And then there's also product attached to this brand. Right. Because that's how you get them. You get them at the heart. Well, I mean, I think, um, no, I mean, it, it, exactly. You get them at the heart, then you get them at the pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you got to give people a reason. Like, if you don't, if you don't stand for something, you know, you'll, you'll fall for anything. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With that, we're out. Yeah, no, that was, no, that was fucking, that was Malcolm X. That was, that's pretty, yeah, that's, that don't, that's not a, that's, that's some serious shit right there. Um, but we're not out.
obviously, I mean, we've known each other for a while, but I, and I've always really appreciated it. how long you've been doing Empire for now, six, eight years? Ten, ten years, yeah, I think. Exactly. So since early days of the internet, especially for surf, and you've always had this real unique perspective on surfing as a, as a business and then just as like a core sport, having been such a good, like a young professional yourself and just being so close to it your whole life. So, which is very rare. It's very rare to come across somebody that, uh, understands the business side, the core side, and then how to kind of marry the two, that kind of gray area in between. Because as we've seen in the surf industry, the biggest challenge is finding these people that can execute what's kind of appealing to the outside world and then making sure the core market is covered too and that they're being fed the right information and you're kind of staying on brand. And, that, and, that's, and I think that's what you've been able to do really well and being able to comment on this from an outside of, or not from an outside of it, from a media perspective. And that's why I just loved, and that's why we wanted to have you on here for one. And secondly, just love that data that you, or the study that you did on the kind of social media. Oh, the one. Yeah. The quick one. I did like a, I think there was the, I had, what have I got? I've got, where's the sheet? I've got data going back to 2015. So I've got five years worth of data across, where's the master? across 260 brands or i should say 260 accounts and that goes across likes posts their fans um and from that i can break down average like per post average like per fan their engagement rate uh posts per days and then i break it down into category the other thing i did was uh, the other thing i did was with a couple of different brands like i've done reports for channel islands the last two years and a part of that is I went and created, I worked with a mate who is a maths professor on creating a different engagement rate based around a 30 day rolling period so that we weighted it differently where um, most engagement rates from social media platforms like Later or Sprout, it's uh, one action is one point. So it doesn't matter if that action is a like, a comment, a tag, Whereas I was trying to weight them differently where it's quite easy for me to like an image and not even know what account it was. Mm-hmm. It takes a bit more effort for me to comment and go, this is awesome, but it's a lot different if I tag a mate in because then I'm sharing. it. And so I was weighting it where a like is one point, a comment is 10 points and a tag is 20 points. And so it definitely shaped a different engagement rate for a lot of brands where, or a lot of accounts where you look at it on that purely one action, one point, and you might look at them and go, oh, their engagement rate isn't that great. But when you look at it from a different weighting perspective, you can see that some brands actually, or I should say some accounts do really quite well because a lot of their viewers or fans are tagging in their mates or uh, writing love letter comments of, I love what you guys do, this is awesome, versus this is a cool photo and I'll just double tap it. Right. It's almost like, and I think that some people, as they engage with it, so when you're scrolling through Instagram, you know, you're just doing it so quickly. You're not necessarily, you're not really like being discerning at all. And sometimes it's almost like an involuntary double tap to like something. You're not even really in it. It's not, it's, it's not a, 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 I think a, a conscious, right. Conscious decision that you're making. Right. Yeah. And you just roll through and you forget half the things that, you might remember the images that you've liked, but you probably don't remember the accounts that you've liked them. It's more of when you stop and actively interact with that account via 
uh, writing a comment or tagging a friend or sharing it to a friend that then you start to remember them a lot clearly. Right. So if you're a big brand, what would you consider, what is your success metric that you're running off for your social media? In, well, social media is a hard one, but if you look at it just from a Instagram point of view, it saves shares. And the big one though, it's getting conversions and it's getting them off that least platform. I think a lot of, uh, businesses tend to forget that social media is just a leased platform. It's not something you own, you're renting it. So your main goal should be to try and get them off that rented platform to something you own, which is a database for newsletters, for being able to interact with your uh, consumers one-to-one, whether it's newsletters or emerging tech with text messages and stuff. And, you know, that's another rabbit hole in itself. When you look at overall social media success metrics and that, I think you need to break that down per platform because success metrics on TikTok are different to what they are on Instagram, which are different to what they are on Twitter. Mm. So give us an example of then if you were across those three channels, what would be, and again, like I think if you're saying the success metric is to get somebody off of, of their non-owned platforms, right? Then, that should be the main overall objective right. of social media. But yep. to a platform point of view, if you look at Instagram, um, the basic vanity metric that everyone runs across every new social media platform is just how many people are following us. When you break that further down for Instagram, it's like how many people are saving, how many people are sharing, are we getting the conversions? Um, if I was looking at comments alone, it would be like how many people are tagging their friends in this? So it's helping us get a further reach and awareness. Um, Twitter, it's overall uh, mentions and back and forth and engagement, and then also just overall retweets. And that's where that uh, earlier question you emailed through is like trolling and effective marketing tactic. Uh, It's probably more effective in Twitter than it is other platforms, but then you look at an account like Nike Skateboarding, Nike SB. Um, Right now, I love what they're doing. Uh, it's effective, yes, and the way that they snap back um, yeah. is awesome. And it's definitely a lot more effective in skate than it probably could be in surf because of the way skate can get around that type of stuff. Um, it's effective, but I don't know if it's successful in their overall social media objective, but I like what they're doing. And that's where Twitter's really great and comments to a degree on Instagram can be uh an effective place for trolling. Um, TikTok, to be honest, I'm still trying to educate myself a lot more on that. A lot of that is just going to be likes, getting on the discovery page. Um, To be honest, a lot of it right now is like if you become a meme or not, it feels like. Yeah. They're they're, they're the accounts. It's not not the accounts that are doing day-to-day stuff. It's the dance challenges that go wrong. It's uh, the comedy accounts that do well. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one, TikTok. We've had a hard time kind of, I guess, reverse engineering that stuff too. Um, but uh, I do know that like, that that's, I mean, there's, there are, and it's, it's just a weird platform. It's a weird, it's almost like why yeah. aren't those videos yeah. just Instagram videos anyways, you know? So well, I think a lot of them do become Instagram videos. Right. Unfortunately, yeah. they, they cross, cross, platform it um i think tiktok the winningest ones is like if you look at sports is like nba do a really good job Mm -hmm. 
and MBA do a really good job across social media entirely. And a lot of that is because they've got the resources to build out a solid social media team. And that's uh, sure you might see the same type of content show up across multiple platforms, but they've repurposed that content to be native to each platform. So on TikTok, an NBA piece of content might be then recut to a way to whatever the latest hot song is, or it might be cut based on how um, a player celebrates that might be cut out and used. Then that same type of content just gets used as a basic portrait sized video on Instagram. Uh, you might get a short landscape video with a question or a poll on it on Twitter. And then you just get the basic video uploaded to Facebook. And then it's a whole different kettle of fish if you want to start playing around with Reddit or Discord or yeah. any of those type of areas. I, I think that we've been focused pretty pretty squarely on Instagram, just in terms of brand building. Um, yeah. And in terms of our, we, we sort of have preceded this uh, interview with our own kind of commentary on social and where that's landed us is, there are brands that 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 sort of everything they they post ladders up to a larger idea and and a, or ideal, like a Patagonia, and then there are other brands like especially the brands that we're talking about within surf, which which seem to just be um, very much about nothing um, or or about you know trying to sell you a product, um, but there's no yeah. that but you're not like I'm not clear as to what Quicksilver or Billabong really stand for other than this season's new collaboration with dr seuss or this you know or or whatever like whatever the new season's collection looks like this striped trunk this new t-shirt this whatever but there's yeah. not they don't necessarily deliver back up to the brand is that no, you kind I, of see no too? I, I agree with that a lot of social or a lot of brands or surf brands that are on instagram or social in general you get the feeling that they're there because they know they need to be, not because they're investing in it to create a good experience or a great touch point for the consumers that they are trying to sell product to. And so you get brands that either go way over the top and share really picture-perfect, unrelatable moments. They're aspirational, sure, but they're unrelatable for most surfers. Or you've got accounts that just go the opposite end of the scale and are just so product heavy of product this product that and then they might put an action shot here and they're posting three times a day and overall it just feels like most surf accounts are there because they know they need to be not because they want to be or because they've figured out a great strategy that works for their larger objective like you said like patagonia have or the nba have or what's another good one is um complex do it well uh what's that other one bk it's almost like a complex spin-off um uh, it's a report it starts with b br report oh, bleacher report oh, bleacher bleacher yeah. report that's it so they've done a really good job too in the way of their understanding yeah. what their consumers are wanting to get out of these platforms and so that it's just that idea of like all right we're going to be front of mind because we're giving them a great experience through these different touch points whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, so that when they want to go to something basketball, they're going to come to us. And yeah. there's other brands that do it really well too, like uh, Yankees, Clippers, um, 
Clippers did it really well there for a while for a basketball team that kind of sucked, you know. So let's um, so let's talk a bit about that. So if you let's talk a bit about and we can go into the individually. I mean the individual team like the Clippers and that. But what if we, let's let's do one for one NBA versus WSL? What's the clear differences for you? <laughs> NBA know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Not I mean, bullshit. Well, that's the thing is they pander to WS. I mean, both accounts, both organizations pander to their fans. It's just that the NBA pander to basketball fans and WSL seem to pander to people that like looking at surf, not actually surf. And so every now and again, you get stuff on WSL that's kind of mind blowing and awesome or to the core surfer is really rad. But for the most part, it's fucking trash. It's just unfortunate that the used to be better saying the governing body for surf is out there showing that this is what surf is to the wider media or the wider consumer base um and i think wsl seemed to be too consumed with increasing their following rather than creating good content that works for surfers um and you look you know they did really well with the uh shop local campaign that they did i thought that was amazing how they had all surfers on tour go to a local surf shop buy stuff if you come into this surf shop and buy something from here you go into um the draw to win this pack that i've just bought you know mick did it at kira surf ethan did it with a join up at north strati matt gilveray is that how you say it? Yeah, me? matt mcgillifrey yeah and we've got one yeah, of yeah, the mikey so, dropping yeah, next week with yeah, two boards I from think, CI. No, and I think that was a great campaign for both social and just really good surf-based stuff. But then you've got shit like the home break challenge or fuck, I went on a Twitter rant about it. I'd have to find it. It's just that idea of the shit that the WSL unfortunately does to, you know, and you do look at their engagement rate and it's not that great for, you know, Gabby still dwarfs them. So if you're, so, okay, yep. so more people know about Quicksilver than know about the WSL. They've been around for a million years, Quicksilver. They've sold probably more than 6.6 million pieces of product, which is whatever the WSL, whatever their following is. What, 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 what is the opportunity for one of these surf brands to take? And what, if you were in a position of Quicksilver Billabong and you could implement real change, what action would you take and how would you, what would your tactics be? Uh, the biggest one would be just trying to make sure I get enough resources to flesh out social. I think that's probably the biggest challenge most surf brands have is the resources in social are hard to come by. Um, there's enough brands in social that do it as a whim because we have to be there versus um, we've got all these opportunities to do something really great. Most of them, uh, they just, what would I do? create a very sound team that includes both uh, people that are very tech and social savvy, a couple of kids that understand the language and what works across multiple platforms, um, then build it out with the creative director around what is good surf content, working with the writers to get them involved. Um, ideally not doing a lot around product unless it's, you know, a leading capsule or piece for the season and if it is then all right well um let's go and create stories around it um 
So you've thought this through a couple times. I mean, you've, you've, you've I have, you've got and the, I'm just trying to in your head for sure. Yeah, I've got it there, and I'm just kind of trying to watch my words as well, you know, because um, a lot of my feedback, thoughts, responses are from looking at the outside, you know, and we all know that when you're inside, it's a lot harder, a lot harder, which is that earlier statement of resources in social for surf accounts or surf brands mm -hmm. are really hard to come by because most marketing departments or CEOs in surf look at social and like, oh, I guess we've got to be there instead of what it can be, you know, social is essentially today's advertising and it's, it's pretty much free. But they're still, you know, up until print died two or three years ago, most surf brands were like, mate, I need that back page. I need a double page spread. Um, whereas a lot of that money that you were paying to get your surfer on the back page or whatnot could have been sunk into creating really good content for social. And if you've got a marketing team that's on the ball, a lot of that content can then be used with uh, to back it up through retail marketing, event marketing, um, athlete marketing as well as helping your retailers um, have content for their own accounts rather than you sitting there going, I'm going to open up a flagship account. I'm going to open up regional accounts. I'm going to open up fucking store accounts for every store that we've got. And then it just becomes a reposting cemetery because you're not giving them enough different content. And you've got a store in North America posting uh, summer content from the southern hemisphere because they've got nothing else to post and they know that they've got to post once a day mm -hmm. comes down to that point of like um there was one question you had like what overarching advice would you give to surf brands in regards to social strategy and tactics and i'd read a bunch of notes it's like it's avoid doing it because you know you have to stop posting every day because you think you have to you don't have to open up a zillion accounts around regions or retail stores unless you have some crazy growth strategy which I can't imagine many, if any, surf brands actually understand that. Um, they should be working with their creative or overall marketing team to build out a proper content bucket strategy for Instagram on how it should look, number of posts, how many athlete posts versus product posts versus inspirational, aspirational content. How does it work for stories? Can we treat stories like TV channels where on Monday we do this, on Wednesday we do that, instead of just reposting shit that they think it's cool, the athlete's done. Um, social strategy should just be more than how you intend to do Instagram because fortunately there's a lot of brands that have the resources to do social well, do social well, but we just see a lot of reposted content across platforms. Um, and, and reusing content's fine, look at the NBA, but the way the NBA do it is they recut it and repurpose it for the platform. There's no need to be lazy and put a landscape video on Instagram TV with a slide before it telling me to rotate my phone. It's kind of just lazy. Um, this is the trick where I don't think a lot of people understand. And this is just going off my knowledge. So if anyone listening knows better, by all means, hit me up. Is if you post something great on Instagram and you get really good engagement, Instagram look at it and go, this account's done something great. All their fans are looking at it. So I'm going to make sure that the next post they do gets seen by all their audience. And most brands just continue to do what they do and fuck it up and get an, an amazing post and then follow it up with fucking something trash. And Instagram then goes, oh, this is trash again. All right, back to the basement for you, mate. Sorry, you've had your chance. Instead of going, I've got to make this next post too because it's not about quantity on Instagram. It's about quality. You're in the viewers world now. You've got to adapt or die. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've got coming up with Empire Ave and what people can expect? Um, 
I think the main thing that Tim and I are trying to do with Empire Ave is just to create a great reference site for surfers so that they can make better and more informed purchasing decisions around the stuff that's essential to surf. So we've got a lot of product reviews already and coming up around uh, wetsuits, surfboards, surf hardware around fins, some things around leashes, trunks, board shorts, that type of stuff. Um, we're always trying to interview and get some insightful uh, questions answered from people who are creating a lot of that product. So uh, we've got a really nice interview coming up with the guy that runs wetsuits at Quicksilver now as he's trying to uh, re-energize that category for him. Um, and then we've also got an online store coming, which isn't an online store in its traditional sense. We've kind of kind of been spending the last year trying to figure out the best way to approach it in terms of logistics and operations more so than what we're actually going to sell. So that's about coming up. And then uh, there's still going to be a whole bunch of nerd content and sort of industry stuff popping up, you know, lookbooks and picking up on brands that are doing well. It kind of reminds me to the earlier question of a brand that I do like at the moment is Rock. Yeah. and how they just really focus on that travel. It's kind of like, it's almost like it's a modern day approach to rip kill search. Um, unfortunately, you know, they're at the whims of like, we've got to make sure we've got a lot of product going up on feeds and everything, but the overall concept of what Rourke was founded upon and continues to communicate is really quite interesting to me. Yeah, we've heard a lot of people have mentioned Rourke being like a brand favorite and the way they're able to incorporate their catalog into yeah. their travel story in, in truly in an authentic way um yeah but that sounds awesome man i'm excited to see what's yeah. coming up with empire Ave. i know that you don't take yeah. any money and it's all <laughs> just purely so it's purely um honest yeah. and true feedback yeah cheers for that appreciate it yeah and if anyone out there is listening got feedback just um send us an email at hello mate at empireav.com cool well, awesome. <laughs> all right boys yeah, thanks for the chat so appreciate true. it so with all these interviews that we do, there's always, there always ends up being so much good stuff and there's so much gold and we kind of plan to do like, oh, let's just do 10 minutes, a couple of questions and it ends up being an hour. So Lincoln yeah. has just got, there's just so much valuable information in there and, and what he talks about it. So what we're going to do is, well, we've kind of just chosen the best kind of 10 or 15 minutes from this interview with Lincoln. We're going to drop the full episode a day or two later and you yeah. can just listen to him. And we do a lot of rambling and we're talking a bit about and there's some umming and ahhing, but um, Lincoln is just so filled with, knowledge and he's really taken a step back to look inside and um i think if you're able to just apply like you know what are those like three nuggets of gold you got from him i think the 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 big nugget i got was i mean i think i probably could come up with three pretty easily but the the main piece of it was that you know social media is one of the things that that to a lot of these cmos a lot of these marketing leaders not just in the surf industry but kind of everywhere you know, they, they, it's, they just see social as a box they have to tick and instead of really planning their entire marketing um, uh, strategy around social because really that is, that is marketing now, right? Nobody really gets messages any other way, right? You're not, look, you've got Netflix, so you watch all your content on Netflix. You've got all these different, that's, yeah. you know, you're not ever seeing a commercial. You, pretty, you can opt out of anything. So what, what are the, what, where are these CMOs expecting these messages to be delivered? And like if you're even media, that's where you deliver all information. I absorb all my information through Instagram. That's right. I see the, the short news pieces, like our attention spans now with the Instagram live and the stories and all yeah. that. It can go forever. So 
Yeah, so I think that that, that was, takeaway one was that, they're, that the CMOs are, or not just CMOs, but like, I just think that if you're leading a marketing department, you have to really rethink the way that you consider a campaign. Like a campaign is a very different thing now. Like I think what used to be considered a campaign was a photo shoot and a, and a two page spread and a piece of out of home if you had, if you could afford it. And then, and all your, your retail marketing and some, some banner ads that were sort of a takedown of your, of your two page spread and, and okay, you're sweet. But, but <laughs> if you're listening, if you're listening, it, you're like, obviously, cause hearing you say it, it's like, that sounds so obvious. Yeah. And it does, but it isn't. No. And it's not happening. So like, it's almost, how do you take, how do you look, how do you start your campaign off through social? Like, that's how right. do you like build it according to that and build it outwards? And that's what I think Lincoln is really trying to say. He's exactly. like, no one's actually looking at it across all these platforms. How do these team writers ladder up to the different, whether it's TikTok, whatever you're trying to do? Like, yeah. personally, I hate social media. If it could go away, I'd be happy forever. But yeah. I'm not in a position where I'm managing a social media team. So That's I don't right. have to be. But yeah. if I was... But you're a consumer of social media. And the only reason you're a consumer of social media, I think, like I think in our position, the reason I consume social media is to know what the hell's going on. Totally. Right? And and to be culturally fluent, I think. And and so if you're... If you're uh, it, I think if you're in a position where you don't need to do that, I would legitimately throw my phone in the freaking ocean and never look at it again. And I'd have a flip phone and just take phone calls, but we're not in that position. So, and, and again, like, I think that, that we're also not of the, you know, we're not, we're not the TikTok generation for sure. Totally. So. Uh, Paul Morday, actually, he rocks a flip phone, but yeah. he can tell you exactly which one of his team riders has the most engagement. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I talked about it too one day, but um, anyway, so, well, that was, a, that was two, or maybe it was like one and a half. You yeah. asked for three, but I think everybody gets the point, right? You guys have heard us ramble long enough. But the one thing we do have left over for you is one thing that a lot of you have been requesting, and that is to bring back Duma's Room as we've sort of done it a little bit here and there. But um, I'll, I'll let the, the Duma himself take it away. Ooh, Duma's Rumors. I've been bunkered down in this little Topanga bat cave for too long. I'm kind of losing my connection to the rumor world or the rumor mill, should I say? Yeah. Um, so I know that WSL are actually thinking about doing a surf event. Now, uh -huh. obviously it couldn't be a CT because most of the surfers couldn't get here. Geordie's stuck in South Africa in lockdown. The guys are stuck in Oz, but I did hear they were trying to get Steph and Kelly over here and then running one with Griff and all those kind of guys, the local guys. So, and, um, and then all the US Carissa could come from Hawaii. So could John. So, some kind of invitational, um, be controlled. I think, I think we've waited this long for an event. We actually don't care to watch the wave pool. <laughs> like yeah, gets I, any value. Well, I think that if you if you we're not that desperate, if you've listened to this podcast, you know where we come in on that. Um, but other than that, I heard there's so that all these major cuts um, are going to extend with the surface. So they've all on these fifty percent pay cuts. I heard there's a few sticking out through the rest of the year. So essentially, seventy five percent of these or. Oh, 50% of these sal guys' salaries are being cut through the whole year now. Um, and then I did hear that Hurley actually were thinking about dumping like $50 million worth of product at Costco. So, because they've stuck with all this inventory, right? So basically right. an entire season or two, I imagine that's a season and some. So what they would do is they would dump it all there, but that can come with a whole bunch of different legal ramifications too, because they've got all their team riders on a 50% pay cut right yeah. now. Um, or actually not even a 50%, just a, a deferred payment for like three to six months. But if you're operating the force majeure clause, if you're actually operating and selling product and moving it, you have to be paying salaries. And that's kind of the whole point of it. It's like, 
is if everything is shut down, you actually can't operate. But right. as long as you're selling a t-shirt online, you're in operation. Exactly. And so far, all these court cases you've seen around force majeure or anything has ruled in the favor of the person, yeah, not the company or you know, the the brand trying to pull out of rent. We saw that with Gap. Right. They're like, well, you're still selling online. You got to pay your rent. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, you can't just use it. Exactly. So I imagine we'd see some serious court cases like from the guys like Kolohe and these different team writers that are they hire higher paid team riders yeah. if this is the case and they don't pay them so well I mean so with all that with all that product dumped at, at Costco I guess it's safe to say that that Tiger King season 2 will be well outfitted in Hurley gear right? <laughs> you know it yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be head to toe early <laughs> it's the guys are even more extreme and they're flying at shorts yeah but you know that, the good news is, is it's super you know the, the, right it's high performance high Ni- performance product Nike executive just shaking his head right now no they're just <laughs> no, they're counting their money and laughing yeah. Uh, and, I, and they're going to bring cops back too, just for that reason. And, right? then, and then I heard there's some real brands on the in, on the edge of bankruptcy. Some of our favorites. Um, I don't want to say I once. Oh, actually, I learned, I had to learn the hard way once from Bob Hurley. I did the story when I had Doomers rumors about Hurley selling, and which ended up being true, but it caused. I had no idea. I had no idea. I didn't even know metrics at the time. I didn't know how many people were looking at my website. Right, but right. It caused like. And I was granted I was just down the road in, in Newport Beach writing about the company up at Costa Mesa. So right. probably a lot of my ecosystem yeah, yeah. was like kind of floating out. <laughs> but it caused like people to freak out and they thought the company was going under or they were gonna get laid off and Bob sent out this like email like basically just torching me and my whole operation, calling me a, a sea level pro surfer, which I actually was quite thought was a bit of a compliment. That's pretty time. good because I, yeah, I was like, because you're a D plus for sure. Jordy's A, if Jordy's A, Kyle Otter's a C, I was like, oh, he's on tour. And That's pretty rad, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but, and then he pulled me aside one day and he was just like, look, you need to be careful with what you write. Yeah. Um, you know, it causes like uh, so much headaches in my company. People are worried about their jobs. And I didn't actually quite understand that until I started working at Quicksilver and saw people getting laid off and losing their jobs. So. Yeah, no, it's gnarly, but but at the same time, like, like that's, I'm sorry, but you know, if so you're a grown-up ass man and you're in business and you're like, and you're basically sold to Hurley or you're, go- I mean, sold to Nike or you're going to sell to Nike, you're, you're at that time, you're a pretty good-sized company and healthy company. I mean, I'm sorry, you got to be able to take a couple ping pong balls, right? Like, uh, that, that is just bullshit that he even mentioned it. Like, honestly, he should have called you and thanked you. Yeah, I totally. For keeping, you, keeping them relevant. <laughs> keeping them on their toes. Exactly. That's, that is toes. just, that's so horseshit. Uh, and please, do, so, so whatever you, you just prefaced, you were going to say something, fucking say it. Oh, ah, man. come on. <laughs> I love, I love the guy All right. who wrote Volcom. I don't yeah. want to Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, well, that's probably enough. All right, right? Next, yeah, that's <laughs> it. next episode, um, localism. And etiquette, kind of. Kind ish. of, yeah. yeah. Chad's got his agenda, he's going to push. I've um, got my agenda, yeah. I'm going to push. And it should be a, a showdown for the ages. Um, uh, and yeah. it's going to be entirely opinion based, like we like to do it. Yeah, so, this is going to be probably the, the, the most, the, 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 one, the podcast that we've done with the least if you usable think, content. If you think Chad hates the Republicans, wait till you hear him talk about localism. <laughs> No, but I love localism. Don't get me wrong. All right, so that's going to be the next next podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. This is so much fun to do, and we want to keep doing it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube.